Welcome to the family with co-host Catherine Brandt and Andy Brandt-Bernard. And, of course, Alex should be in. L.A. Nick is on the road, but he's going to be calling in uh, in a short bit. So uh, special guest William Federer on in about 15 minutes. Who was St. Patrick? We'll all find out together right after this with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Dougie, what's new at my favorite Nissan stores? Well, now that everybody's back from vacation, we can finally get to work. Yeah, easy there, gunpowder. Hey, at least you only took a week. Jayla was gone darn near a whole month. Poor Dan Rush. Anyway, we got some great things happening at Coon Rapids Nissan and Walzer Nissan in Burnsville. Read this, and you can add that cool DJ voice if you want to. It's 2020 closeout month at Burnsville and Coon Rapids Nissan. Giant discounts in 0% for 60 months on all remaining 2020s. You also get Walzer Care, a 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty for free. Ah, music to my ears. I love the sound of a good DJ in the morning. But wait, there's more. For the first time ever, you can get 0% for 60 months on the all-new 2021 Rogue. The 2021 Rogue is bigger, better, and faster than ever before. For more information on 0% interest on in all these great vehicles, check out Coon Rapids Nissan and Walzer Nissan at Burnsville and tell them Tommy sent you. I'll just cut out the last bit. Andy's rocking out. He does that. There you have it. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here. Oh, Alex is there. Good. Alex did show up. What's the buzz? Just regular what, Wednesday. What happened now? I had Sage's class like every other Wednesday. Oh, it's Wednesday. I forgot. <laughs> yes, it is. Will you ever remember? No, probably not. It Forget doesn't it. doesn't seem so, no. I don't know what day of the week it is generally, so. It's true. Oh, my God. Nice headlines in the news this morning. I'm looking for news to talk about. Nice headlines. Maestro, who, whose career ended after allegations, dead at 77. Demi Lovato, I was raped while working for the Disney Channel. Oh, my God. Nice headlines today. I don't know that I'm caring to... Hockey player 19 killed by Puck. Cardi B, Candace Owens just got into it again on Twitter. Boy, there's a lot of real positive news out there. Honest to God. Ooh, we can find out, though, who bought uh, Jeffrey Epstein's $51 million mansion. 
That but piece of crap is $51 million? 50, oh, the one in New York? Oh, I, the one in... The one that was on the series was mostly the one in Palm, Palm Beach, Beach, and it was yeah. not a nice-looking house oh, wasn't? at all. Oh, really? So weird. I like mean, the, the layout, New York one yeah. is actually even crappier. Oh, really? Oh, is it really? It looks... Because the outside of it looks beautiful. Uh, well, it probably oh, had nice dungeon rooms. Yeah, really. <laughs> probably did, And, yeah. and jails. Well, it looks great if you only see a little bit of it, which is what they show oh, you. Oh, really? But it's... Okay. It uh, It's not big by any means. I wouldn't call it a mansion. Let's see how big no. it is. They always say mansions and up. Man, 28,000 square feet. That's pretty big. Oh, it says it's 28,000, but it does not look 28,000 square huge. feet. Well, it's like four stories, though, isn't it? Uh, it's three, but it's also like oh, it's only three. Okay. two rooms wide. It's less wide oh. than my house. Really? Yeah. Weird. A veteran Goldman Sachs trader gave himself quite the retirement present, ladies and gentlemen, partly uh, courtesy of an early investment by in Bitcoin. Michael Daffy, who worked at the firm for 28 years before retiring this month as chairman of the Global Markets Division, has been revealed as the mystery buyer who paid $51 million for Jeffrey Epstein's former New York City mansion per CNBC. Oh, it's seven stories, Andy. That's why. Seven? None of the floors are very big, but it's seven stories high. So, so it's about 3,000 square feet. Well, not the one I'm looking at. Or 4,000 square feet. Oh, it must be a different one. I think he owned quite a few properties. Yeah, which, his Manhattan residence. His Manhattan residence. It, I yes. don't think that's seven stories. Unless a story in New York is like five feet. Five foot stories, yes. Exactly. Well, some of those brownstones are kind of skinny and tall. So could be. Yeah, it could be one of those deals. Uh, the seven-story, 28,000-square-foot townhouse was sold earlier this month to benefit the victims of Epstein's sex crimes. Mr. Daffy had never previously been in the home nor ever met its owner, but he's a big believer in New York's future and will take the other side of all the people uh, that, who say the city's best days may be in the past. Spokesman Stu Lesner, or Lesser, I should say, Lozier maybe, said Tuesday he said the mansion was paid for with cash. $51 million in cash. You know what I'm saying. <clears throat> no problem. Honey, do you have $51 million on you? I don't, but I could probably scrounge up $5,000. Oh, five? Well, that'd be pretty good. <laughs> For, that'd be pretty good. That wouldn't even make a down payment, so... <clears throat> yeah, they're not showing the interior of this house at all. They're just showing the first two floors outside. Mm. I don't know that I could buy... I know it goes to help the victims, so that's one part of it, but... I don't know if I want to live in a house where this guy was having sex with little yeah. girls. Everybody's yeah. going to oh, walk God, by the house and go, you not. know whose house that was, no. right? It's going to, yeah. yeah. I would yeah, burn I, it I down. Do it. Yeah, really. <laughs> <Be> like, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just burn this down. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, yeah, 51 million bucks for a house where a guy had sex with little girls. No, I'm good. Thank well, you. Technically, yeah. now that he owns it, he is, uh, I think, unless it's historical, he is allowed to raise it and build something else there. Yeah. Right. I know, but it's still going to be the site of. Well, New York it's City true. is already the site of plenty, so. Oh, that's true. <laughs> well, that that is absolutely you true. You don't live a in a big stuff city like that without, yeah. You're you're always within a block of someone being killed at some point in time, so. Pretty much true. Okay, I know you guys are really, really excited to hear the latest from Cardi B. Oh, always gosh, just, just enamored with her information. What a nutcase. 
Cardi B and conservative commentator Candace Owens have clashed on Twitter before, but this time they say they're going to sue each other. Mm. Owens specifically says she plans to sue the rapper for posting a Photoshop tweet suggesting Owens' husband cheated on her with her own brother. Well, mm. yes, really. The drama started when Owens criticized Cardi and Megan the Stallion's Grammys performance on of WAP or WAP. They say WAP, though, don't they? Yeah, they say WAP. I honestly don't know. It's a song about sex on Fox News' Tucker Carlson. Tonight, Carlson and Owens claimed the rappers were degrading the culture and hurting children before Cardi tweeted a clip of the interview per page six. Owens, a supporter of former President Donald Trump, responded by calling Cardi a cancer cell to culture. Why did they bring up the fact that she was a Trump voter? What does that add to the story? Nothing. Because it it turns people against her. She's also... She also has some sort of uh, maybe, perhaps, political leanings. So, you know, they have to preemptively tell you. She has some definite political leanings, but the fact that she voted well, for... Well, I, mean, like, I mean, like, I don't know. she might run for office, I think. Oh, really, oh, you think? Yeah, well, there's leanings. talk about it. Who knows? Who <laughs> maybe. Knows? Very smart woman, I know that. Very, very smart. Um, so in any case, before Cardi tweeted a clip of the interview on page six, I was a supporter of uh, former President Donald Trump, responded by calling Cardi a cancer cell to culture. Cardi then claimed WAP was inspired by our former first lady, sharing a censored photo of Melania Trump posing nude. Cardi then posted what looked to be a screenshot of a November 16th tweet from Owens. Yes, my husband did cheat on me with my brother. Yes, he said no when I asked to join them. Uh, what? Come on, really? She is a very uh, low-class she person. Is, she, she really is, is repulsive. Remember, who was Ugh. it? Was it Chris Rock that did the, um, remember Lil' Kim? Yeah. Yep. And he he did the he did some sort of bit about the advancement of black people in in history. Yes. He had this chart. I think it was Chris Rock. It was so hilarious. He was like talking about Jesse Owens and and on and on and all these people right. that brought up black people. And then he's like, and then Lil Kim. And, they, <laughs> and then the chart goes way down the back. <laughs> Cardi is B funny. is today's Lil Kim. I yeah, would say no yes. No doubt about mm-hmm. it. I still love the comparison. You can't read Dr. Seuss, but you can hear a song about a wet ass. Whatever. Uh, no. I know. It's just okay. Yeah. So that's okay. But uh, reading. Uh, well, I don't know how this is empowering for women. I mean, I don't either. I, I, sexuality. Yeah. Okay. So you're super sexual. You, you've got to tell everybody about that. That makes you empowered. Okay. I kind right. of understand that if that's just all you are, um, and that's all you got to does. give. I think it's. But. But this 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 stereotypical woman stripper, yeah, woman slut. I mean, we've been doing. How long have I mean? Madonna was doing that thirty years ago, forty years ago. Yeah, yeah, well. It's been it's been done to death. It's just not interesting to me anymore. And it just well, just take it even farther and farther and be just more and more and more repulsive. It's yeah. like I just don't understand how that's helping women. I don't get it. I think for, I couldn't agree more. I think for Cardi B, which I'm not saying that this is like great and wonderful or like a good idea, but I think Cardi B and like Megan Thee Stallion, the whole thing is like their rappers and male rappers constantly talk about the same thing from the male perspective. And so they're just trying right. to be like, this is our perspective because we're female. So we can do the same thing that men do because we're rappers and this is what we do kind of thing. Mm. I think. But are they because men, are, male rappers are putting women into once again, the whore 
That's true. Situation. They're just calling doing them what bitches, calling them whores. To them voluntarily. They're yeah, but they're, so then, but and then women. It. Yeah. And then women saying, "Yes, I'm. I'm a slut. I'm a whore." I. I don't understand how that's. I think how that's anti-male mm-hmm. rapping. I don't think it's anti-male rapping. I think that they're trying to like take it. You know, like the N-word. Like. Uh. It used to be a slur, and now black people use it as, like, this is our word, and we've taken it over. Well, except and it has more power than ever in, in yeah, human history, yeah, but so I, that didn't right. work either. Yeah, but I think that that's what they're trying to do. Like, if I'm trying to look at it from their perspective, like, okay, we're going to take slut and whatever, and we're going to flip it and make it empowering or something. I don't know. I'm just trying to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just don't see how... You know, and, and then, okay, feminist studies, which, you know, I've, I was in college. I took feminist studies, or women's studies, I should say. Um, the, the whole whore Madonna and male gaze and all this stuff, and then the first thing you do is you get a chance to empower yourself and you make yourself as sexual as oh, possible is, for right. the male oh, gaze. Absolutely. It's, it is very... Well, I... It's self-exploitative. People, and people are saying that it's not for the male gaze. It's for you. Yeah, okay. Like, you <laughs> should be able to wear a bikini to work and not have men look at you or anybody look at you because you should just be able to wear whatever you want to wear. And people should be able to just control themselves and not look at you. Well, I understand that people should be able to run around naked and we shouldn't be violent towards those people. I understand mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But we don't. I know, that's, uh, that's yeah. just not how it works. And as long as there's going to be male and female physical attraction to each other, there's going to be people looking at each other. Right. If it's we like, if right. we want to take a, take sexuality, okay, we're no longer sexual beings and we're just robots, then you can do that stuff. But people are sexual beings. Right. It's like starving yourself because I should be able to photosynthesize. <laughs> And because I can't, it's an injustice, so I'm going to die because I'm not going to eat food anymore. Because why why can plants do it, but I can't? Yeah, plants can do it. It's stupid. It is I stupid. totally I know, agree. Yeah, Dan and I had this discussion about it after that um, woman in England was murdered. Um, did you hear about this? Yes, yeah. I did. I don't even remember why. She was just walking home, and this police officer... Um, took her and murdered her. Hmm. Yeah, and she was Why wearing did like because he's a crazy person. I, it was a police officer. Yeah, yeah. That well, I did it was. Not know. It was. He worked for. He did security for um, government buildings or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't think he was a cop. A police officer. But they cop. don't have no. the same police officer stuff as we do. But he was a member of the whatever. It is that requires you to be. I don't know. He was a Metro police officer, apparently. Okay, yeah. Well, he was, okay. But they don't call him police Well, he also, he, he has only been arrested on suspicion. He hasn't been... Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's even been charged. He has so. not been charged, but he has been arrested. So, yeah, I shouldn't say that he did it because it hasn't been proven yet. But anyway, what whoever did it, this woman was just walking home and was murdered. And so it's brought up a lot of the, you know, violence against women, which you shouldn't call it violence violence against women. It should be because then it makes it seem like it's the woman's fault. Like it's oh, being yeah, done to women, not <laughs> right, men. Right. 
That's stupid. Performing the violence, like the focus is then on the woman and all this stuff. Anyway, and yeah, we were just talking about how like, yes, it would be absolutely great for people to just wear whatever they want and feel like, you know, just have your boobs out and nobody's going to look at you. Who cares? It's all neutral, whatever. But it's like, that's just not how it works. No. And we're far from it. So you can't act like that's how it is when it's not. You can do things to try to progress it toward that if that's what you want. But you can't just say, like, this is how it is and how it should be because it's just not. Right. Like, there are are people. Oh, sorry. No, there are people to what? Like, there are people, many, many people, like this guy, this woman was just walking home, not wearing anything provocative or anything. And he took her and murdered her. Yeah. Assuming it was a man. We shall find out, I'm sure, in the end. We'll be right back. Special guest William Federer coming up. Who was St. Patrick? We'll find out next with the family. Tom Bernard here, and with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, a lot of people have heard us talk about community banking over the years. We've been doing these commercials. What makes working with a community bank so different for your customers? Our business banking customers honor us by sharing how we're able to help them on any new project how we were able to quickly get them the funding they need when others in town can't do it. We do it by taking the time to get to know our customers and the challenges they face. When your business banks with us, you are not just another account number. One thing I've always admired about North American Banking Company is how your team treats not only me, but my friends and family that bank with you so respectfully. Tommy, thanks for making me look good, like my team does. As you know, I have a face for radio. We yes, take you do. <laughs> We take pride in doing the right thing for all our customers and the communities we work and live. That's what we mean about being a community bank. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the new Giza Dream Sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you will never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream Sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. You buy one set, get another set absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Square, and use promo code TOM, T-O-M. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Call 1-800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code TOM. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. It is St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, 2021. On St. Patrick's Day, we'll eat green bagels, wear shamrocks, and hoist beers to our Irish heritage. But do you really know about St. Patrick, the man? He's Ireland's beloved patron saint. He's celebrated worldwide each March 17th. William Federer, our special guest. How are you doing, William? Hey, great to be with you, Tom. Nice to have you on. i got a full disclosure... You're talking to a couple. My wife and I were both raised Catholic, so it's, it's a big deal to us, that St. Patrick deal. Amen, amen. Well, it is a uh, tremendous heritage that uh, has a lot of history that um, I put together a book and a DVD on it uh, called St. Patrick, The Real History of His Amazing Life from Tragedy to Triumph. 
I love it. And by the way, our children, Andy and Alex, are on the show as well. Hello. They were both baptized Catholic, but I think they've strayed, William. I think they've strayed. That's well, all I know. We may have well, hey, Andy and Alex. They've Hello. Hello. <laughs> what a, I mean, this, this really, well, first of all, for Minnesotans, William, where'd you grow up, by the way? Uh, St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri. Well, kind of with the same situation, then not, not as severe as in Minnesota, but St. Patrick's Day to us was a very important day because it was kind of a fictitious beginning of spring for mm-hmm. Minnesotans, you know? Uh, even though it doesn't warm up for another couple of months, we always thought, well, this is kind of the first. I know it's not, what is it, March uh, 21st or 22nd, whatever it is. But no, 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 for Catholics, it was five days earlier because of St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) That's all it was. No, we loved it. I went to Catholic, Catherine went to Catholic school. I went to Catholic school for nine years myself. Um, Well, it's a big, big, huge holiday around the world, is it not? Well, it really is, and it's a... um, uh Western civilization uh, sort of pivots around it uh, to a certain extent. And um, one of the things I do in my book is I give the setting. And so around 220 A.D., the Han Dynasty begins to build the Great Wall of China. And you're like, what does that have to do with St. Patrick? Well, the Huns were a Mongolian-type people group, and they could no longer attack into China, so they turned west. And they attacked other tribes who attacked other tribes who began to spill over the Roman border. The Visigoths, the Ostrogoths, Anglos and Saxons. And in other words, I guess the Roman Empire was being invaded by illegal immigrants. And and so Rome panics and decides to pull all their legions back from the frontiers. And what was one of the frontiers? Britain. From 45 B.C., Julius Caesar had landed in Britain, and there was a a Roman presence there. But all of a sudden... uh, there's no police, there's no army, and uh, marauding bands begin to raid and capture and carry people away into slavery, and that's where Patrick comes in. He was from an area of Britain, and now Patricus is the Latin Roman word for nobleman, plebeian is the Roman word for a uh, peasant, and so his uh, given name was Sukkot, but he goes by Patrick. And uh, he was kidnapped in the early 400s and taken to Ireland, where he was sold into slavery. And really? uh, uh, Ireland was ruled by Druids. Um, I quote Thomas Cahill in my book, but Thomas Cahill wrote How the Irish Saved Civilization. And the Druids mm-hmm. sacrificed, quote, prisoners of war to the war gods, newborns to the harvest gods. They displayed proudly the heads of their enemies on their palisades, their walls around their uh, hung them from their belts, used them as football and victory celebrations, <laughs> used belt pops for drinking bowls. Uh, a little bit uh, gory there, but that's where Halloween comes from, the Druids. And so around 405 AD, Patrick is there a slave in Ireland to a Druid chieftain, and he has to tend sheep. And uh, he says, after I came to Ireland, every day I had to tend sheep. Many times a day I prayed, the love of God came over me. I would say as many as 100 prayers, often as many at night, through snow, through frost, through rain. And uh, now you say, Patrick wrote this. Yeah, there are two writings that all historians acknowledge that Patrick wrote. Uh, One is called the uh, Confession of Patrick, and the other is the Letter to Caroticus, the British King. But the Confession, so after his entire career, and he started all these churches, uh, it's like now that he's well-known, there's some people back in Britain that, Say, hey, I remember him when he was a nobody. Matter of fact, I remember before he was kidnapped, he said he didn't believe in God. And so that was a big really? scandal. 
they wanted him to come back. And then he said, no, God called me to Ireland. I'm going to stay, but I'll write my confession. And so in there, he acknowledges that um, when he was kidnapped, he was not a believer. But uh, in his confessions, he says, then the Lord opened the sense of my unbelief. I might remember my sins and be converted, converted to the Lord uh, who comforted me as a father, a son. And uh, if you like, I can continue. I don't want to monopolize the No, William, b- believe me. This is fantastic. I, the one thing I do want to say, I'd love for you to continue, but the one thing I, I, I would I would love to say is this: you know, fifteen hundred years ago, this happened. Uh, obviously, it's been a, been a big thing because we still celebrate St. Patrick's Day. I there probably won't be hardly any parades today. There's always a huge parade in St. Paul, Minnesota, for St. Patrick. All this stuff is fascinating to me. Just thinking about. But the thing that struck me, William, so far, what you said, and I really enjoy what you're talking about, but even 1,500 years ago, when it was person to person, they, they had their own Twitter to ruin people's lives. Oh, he said he didn't believe in God. He could never prove that. <laughs> it was kind of a Twitter deal, right? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting how those different uh, human uh, reactions uh, keep repeating themselves? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and, yeah, in, in his um, and so I, I quote extensively um, from the confession of Patrick in my book, uh, but he talks about how uh, you know he's confronting the Druids and they're trying to kill him and, and uh, over a dozen different times he felt faced life threatening situations. He said, uh, "I'm skipping ahead a, a whole lot and uh, I'll come back to it." But he talks about how. Uh, in this, he said, and when I was attacked by a number of my seniors who came forth and brought up my sins against my laborious episcopate, on that day, indeed, I was struck so that I might have fallen now and for eternity, but the Lord graciously spared this stranger. He says, uh, verily not slight was the shame and blame that fell upon me. He says, uh, as a cause for the proceeding against me, they found, after 30 years, a confession I made before I was a deacon, in the anxiety of my troubled mind, I confided to my dearest friend that I, what I had done in my boyhood one day uh, when I was 15 years old, and I did not believe in the living God. So here, uh, it's like, hey, now that he's famous, I remember that he said this when he was a nobody. And, right, um, right. But, um, but, you know, back to his story, um, he uh, says that, um, and one night I heard in my sleep, now this is when he's a 16-year-old, he's a slave in Ireland. He says, I heard in my sleep a voice saying to me, it is well that you fast, soon you'll go to your own country. And again, the voice said, see, your ship is ready. But it was not near, but perhaps 200 miles, he took flight from his master. He comes to the coast, and there's a boat putting wolfhounds that they caught on it to sell to Europe as hunting dogs. And the dogs mind him, so they give him a boat ride. Uh, they're shipwrecked on southern France, and he more or less hitchhikes his way across Europe, arrives back in Britain, uh, reunited with what's left of his family, gets involved in the ministry, pretty uneventful, until he turns 40 years old. And then he has another dream. And he writes in his confession, In the depth of the night I saw a man named Victoricus coming as if from Ireland with innumerable letters. He gave one... And I read, and I thought I heard the voice of those beside the wood of Folkloth on the Western Sea cry out, Please, holy boy, come and walk among us again. Their cry pierced to my very heart. I could read no more. So I awoke. Well, he took that as a divine call to go back. And so in the early 400s, he lands with a handful of other uh, type of monks and 
and he's unarmed. And he goes boldly into the dens of the Druid chieftain. I mean, this is like going into the den of a drug dealer. I mean, this is like you're you're risking your life. And he begins to present his faith, uh, and the Druid priests realize this new religion is going to displace them from their position of authority. So they immediately want to kill Patrick. And the chieftain's like, what's the hurry to kill him? He's unarmed, and we really don't get visitors that often. And he's speaking our own language, right? Because he had learned it years earlier when he was a slave. The chieftain's so fascinated, he gives Patrick a plot of land where Patrick builds his first church, and the chieftain eventually converts. Uh, The people there are more or less illiterate, and uh, so Patrick uses things to convey you know, the symbols of, of the doctrines of faith, and one of them is the three-leaf clover to explain the Trinity, Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, three in one. Oh, there you go. But, That's um, but the, the Druids, uh, one time they tried to ambush him, another time they kidnapped him. He says, daily I expect murder, fraud, or captivity, but I fear none of these things because <laughs> the promises of heaven. And um, he says uh, that God would forewarn him uh, of to, you know, but he says, I came to preach uh, the gospel to Ireland, and to suffer insult from unbelievers. I'm prepared to give my life without hesitation, gladly for his name. Well, his style of evangelism was very confrontational, and he would boldly go into the dens of these chieftains, and one of them was the famous contest at Tara. So north of Dublin, uh, you have a couple hills. One is the Hill of Tara, which was the ancient millennium-old place, sort of like contemporary Stonehenge, where they would have, you know, their pagan sacrifices. And and then about nine miles away is the Hill of Slain, S-L-A-N-E. And uh, the chieftain would make everyone, the king, would make everyone extinguish their fires on this particular night and bring a gift, a goat, or something to the Druids who would give them some coals so that they could relight their fires for the next year. It happened to be the night before Easter. And Patrick's like, far be it from me to submit to this druid on the night before my Savior rose from the dead. So he goes to the top of the Hill of Flame and builds a bonfire that is so big and bright that it can be seen from the the Hill of Tara. And so all the people say to the king, how come that guy doesn't have to put his fire out? And so the chieftain sends a bunch of people over to kill Patrick. Uh, The 7th century historian Marucci says that... uh, Patrick prayed in a loud voice, may God come and scatter his enemies, and the people sent to get Patrick are, like, struck down. Uh, That's what the story is, anyway. And uh, the chieftain eventually comes and converts. And um, so this happened time and time again. Another time, a a druid conjures up a fog and snow, and you can't even see in front of you. And Patrick says, that's good. Can you disperse it? And he couldn't. And so Patrick prays, and all of a sudden, the clouds part, the sunbeam shines down, and, and then it says, uh, and the druid was struck dead. So I don't know what all that means, but nevertheless, um, uh, Patrick uh, was uh, courageous in his confrontation. And uh, there's, in the Mayo County, there's the Croag Patrick, which is a high hill, where he supposedly fasted for 40 days, and today they take pilgrimages up to the top of it, and... Uh, and then seven centuries after Patrick, you have a Cistercian monk named Jocelyn who writes in the 12th century the life and acts of St. Patrick. So it's, again, seven centuries removed, so we, you know, you can 
decide how much credibility there is, but at least it's interesting to know the stories that were passed down for centuries. And uh, mm-hmm. so in this Life and Acts of St. Patrick, there is um, chapter 69, the sick man cured. Chapter 71, the dead are raised, the king and the people are converted. Chapter 78, 19 men are raised by Patrick from the dead. Uh, there's uh, chapter 80, King Ichu was raised from the dead. Um, uh, chapter 82, uh, another man who was buried and raised again. These are just the chapter headings. Um, uh, chapter 83, a boy who was torn to pieces by swine was restored to life. So you get an Ooh. idea. Uh, chapter 172 is he banished the demons from the island. Now, uh, there's always the story of the snakes, and uh, Patrick drove right. the snakes out of Ireland. Uh, there are no snakes in Ireland today because it's so far north. But back then, it was before the Little Ice Age, right? So around the 800 A.D., uh, you have the beginning of what's called the Little Ice Age, and for several centuries, the whole world climate got colder. This is what caused the Vikings to have to give up their Newfoundland settlement. Um, So prior to the Little Ice Age, it was warmer in Ireland. There could have been snakes, but uh, uh, some historians think that the terminology of driving the snakes out is, symbolic of him driving the demons out. Um, But um, nevertheless, in his 30 years of ministry, Patrick is credited with baptizing 120,000 people and founding over 300 churches. Uh, There's a a 1957 edition of World Book Encyclopedia said he found Ireland heathen and left it Christian. I love it. William Federer, ladies and gentlemen, president of Amerisearch Incorporated, the author of many books, including St. Patrick, the real story of his amazing life from tragedy to triumph. William, thank you so much for your time today. Great talking to you, sir. Well, thank you. And my website's AmericanMinute.com, if anyone's interested. And uh, there's a lot more to it. I, I go through how the Irish came to America, and prior to 1965, most immigrants came from Europe and uh, Germany, England, and Ireland. And... Um, uh, and then LBJ changed the immigration quotas after 1965 uh, to other countries. But uh, they were first treated bad in America. Um, and, uh, and as a matter of fact, in the early 1800s, an Irish potato famine, uh, millions died, and then they came across, and um, but uh, uh, eventually worked up the economic ladder and became involved in society and respected. And fascinating story. Uh, but again, thank you uh, for having me on. And um, I guess I talked so much I didn't get a chance to hear from Alex and Andy. But uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, William. Thank you, Mr. Federer. Have a great day, sir. Thank you. We. We'll take a break. Be right back in a couple of minutes with the family. Dan Chesky is here from Dan Southside Marine to talk boats in February. 2021 is all about boat inventory or the lack thereof. Dan's has what you're looking for in the color and model you want. So get in and take advantage of the factory incentives and discounts February offers. Why should our listeners shop for a fishing boat at Dan Southside Marine? We have the latest models on display, like the new Revolution. It features rotational seating from Premier Marine and the new Lumacraft FSX crossover fish and ski. Both are getting tons of attention and grabbing sales from the competition. Dan Southside Marine is packed with pontoons from Avalon, Berkshire, and Premier with all the rebates and incentives we mentioned at the top. Get the family out this weekend and come see these amazing pontoons. 
And be sure to ask about custom-rigged Alumacraft fishing boats this weekend at Dan Southside Marine during our February open house. Dan Southside Marine, six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home. List it on the MLS and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, did we talk yesterday about the uh, Columbia's multicultural graduation ceremonies? Yes, and all yep. that? we did. Yep. Um, because uh, the university says Tom Cotton, uh, Senator Tom Cotton, who uh, he said this is segregation. University says Tom Cotton is misrepresenting long-standing ceremonies started by students. Well, I mean, have you ever heard of this before? It'll be segregation if it's long-standing. It's like saying, "Oh, we can't get rid of slavery." It's a long-standing institution, right? Well, it's it is segregation. Yeah, it's quite literal segregation. Is they're segregating people? but, But now they're trying to say that they've always done this. Well, why didn't anybody know about it before then? What? Well, but like I said, uh, even if you've this. already done it, that doesn't mean it's right. good. No, you're right. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Republican Senator Tom Cotton caused an uproar Tuesday by blasting the multicultural graduation ceremonies offered by Columbia University of segregation. He was apparently outraged by a Fox story that said the university would, uh, would host six separate graduation ceremonies based on income level, race, and ethnicities. Cotton and other commentators or commenters, excuse me, seemed to believe the university was separating students by race and income for different commencement ceremonies when the different ceremonies are, in fact, optional additions to the main April 30th commencement ceremony that have been offered for years at Columbia and many other universities. I've never, ever heard of this before. You ever heard of it? No, not until <clears throat> no. Never the dawn of, of Twitter. No. I've known people that went to Columbia, too, and uh, I, I've never heard of this before. Uh, Cotton slammed Columbia as a woke university embracing segregation and said it was part of a bigger problem that also involves schools, corporate HR departments, and the Biden administration. The six extra ceremonies at Columbia, which do not overlap with each other or with the main ceremony, include Native Asian, Latino, it says Latinx most places, but this one says Latino, and black graduations along with the lavender graduation for LGBT students and one for first-generation low-income students. Members of the latter group spent years pushing for their own ceremony before the first one was held in 2017. So there's a poor people, low-income graduation? Yep. I don't know. Why do you need that? Uh, I don't know. I honestly I really couldn't understand. tell you. But here's the problem I have with all this, and I don't, I've never heard of this before, so I don't believe they've had it before. They say, Well, they said the first one was in 2017, about four years ago, whatever. But here's the problem I have with this. 
So couldn't then your honky say, well, look, that's all we were doing. We, we just wanted to graduate with white people. That's why we kept you out of it. We just want to graduate with well, white people. That's what people. I'm saying is they're literally yeah, making the right. same argument that, you know, we want to be with our own race and you're not allowed in. It makes no sense at all. No sense whatsoever to me. That, that, uh, why do we want to be sad? white people? It, signaling that, anybody up by that, their skin color. That's color's been horror. kind of a movement on campuses to have safe spaces yes, away from has. white people. So white people are just that day. More day. Did you not hear Mr. Federer when he said that St. Patrick went from England to Ireland and was enslaved? St. Patrick was a white man. There have been many, many, many slaves over the years that are white. All races of people have been enslaved. All of them. So I don't understand why this... And look, I'm not saying that slavery in America was a wonderful thing or tolerable in any way. I'm just saying it was history. Uh, I'm not forgiving it. That's not what I'm doing at all. But I'm saying people have been enslaved for tens of thousands of years. I'm sure the first biggest, the biggest ape man back in the day, the uh, Neanderthal. Or, who were the first cave people again? Uh, what was that? Well before the Neanderthals. It is well before them. There's yes. been a whole lot of different like, species of humans, believe it or not. <clears throat> I guarantee you the first and the biggest oh, of that whatever it is, the first cave people, uh, the biggest guy enslaved everybody else. He made them do whatever he told them to do, otherwise he'd harm them. Well, yeah, that's what a well, despot that's a form is. Of slavery. That, the despotism exactly. was how humans operated until quite recently. Why don't we stop singling people out, whether they're black, white, or whatever color? Why don't we stop with this skin color thing that you're so fascinated with? There are good people and there are horrible people in every race. Well, the people in Just charge aren't, they don't actually care about skin color. They care about the amount no, of power right. and money they can make off of getting other people to care about skin color. 100% true. This is all about money. We talked about it yesterday. All of this. If you think those ultra-rich people actually give a rat's ass about you because of your skin color, you're crazy. They're making money off of you and your skin color. So that's I'd be very, very wary of these people. Very, very careful. Because if you think they care about you, you're crazy. It's just to make money. They just want to make money off you. That's all it is. That's why it's so easy to cancel culture people. It's like, oh, it might be cutting into our dollars here. we gotta, we got to cancel them. It's money. It's all it is. It's got nothing to do with race. got nothing to do with gender. got nothing to do with any of it. Orientation. Well, that might money. be why Columbia University is having a poor people uh, ritual or whatever yeah. it's called. What's it called? Commencement. Uh, Commencement, yeah. Meanwhile, they have $11 billion in endowment, and it costs $70,000 a year to go there. They <laughs> like cared about poor people. Eight. Why not lower your tuition or spend some of that endowment I on agree. the poor? It's all lip service. Yeah, or, or put a lot of that money back into the economy so yeah. we don't have yep. massive inflation soon. Well, you know, what, what did we come up with yesterday? $50 billion now is the endowment at Harvard. What are you going to do with that? Yeah, that's Seriously, a, why don't you do something with that money? It's a lot of dollars. It's disgusting that they've got that much money sitting there. And what do they do? They keep taking money from China. Why? Because then they'll let Chinese students in when normally they wouldn't. They're buying their way into Harvard. If you don't think Harvard is one money-grubbing piece of crap, well, yeah. you're wrong. Always have been, Pretty too. Pretty much all the Ivy schools pigs. are... Yeah, they are. Because they produce our politicians. That's there was why. a point yep. when the universities actually had merit, but these days. When was that? Two hundred so years much. ago. 
Maybe. I'd say as recently as 40. They 40 had, years ago? They had merit. Uh, but I don't think I they don't have know. any merit anymore these days. They're, None. It's No. Well, the problem is that the reason universities became a thing was because if you wanted to get your hands on some, like, advanced knowledge, you know, technical knowledge, the only way to do that was to read a very large and expensive book that only yeah. had so yeah. many copies in circulation. So, you know, the professor would buy the book, read it to the students, and the students would know what's in the book. But now, if you want to learn something, you just you can just Google it. You can just teach yourself. If you have the uh, mm-hmm. the wherewithal to you know do it yourself because not everyone can just sit down and say okay today I'm going to learn electrical engineering but if you have um, if you have if you're willing you can do it now so the whole university system is kind of becoming obsolete very quickly yeah it, it absolutely we don't need universities anymore since we got digit we don't need them anymore and their poison that they spread across the world. That's what they love to do. And again, it's just to make them more money. That's why they do it. So, can what? I change the subject? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> because I just want to say that I am probably the only person that has been victimized by St. Patrick's Day. Oh. Where what happened? Uh-oh, here I, we go. I, I foolishly and naively went to St. Paul... As a ginger-colored-haired person, one year, and you have no idea how many drunk young men grabbed me and kissed me. Oh, I'm sure. Really? When was this? Last year? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Long time. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it was actually. I mean, I, now I would. De- I mean, I could definitely raise a stink and have a heart attack about it. Back then, it was kind of funny. I thought. Because it, it was there was no harm done. So but they didn't grab you in untoward places. Well, I mean, any? no, 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 no. There was none of that. Oh, it was good. just like it's good luck to kiss a redhead on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, you know. And if I said if I said no, people walked away. But I mean, some of the cute guys. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, it's your mother. That's your mother, Andy and Alex, right there. I'm just kidding. I know, but it was just like, can you imagine today if a redheaded person walked through a St. Patrick's Day area or a celebration and people just started grabbing them and kissing them? Uh, no. That would not happen. No, I can't would see it? that happening. No, I don't would think Would it happen? So. I don't know. I don't can't really so. see that happening. So see, St. Patrick's Day is bad. They, they Should be canceled. You. Exactly. I no, also, right. when we went to Ireland on a trip many years ago, God, how long ago was that? We went with the... Uh, we went with Nick and Maud, so that was... And the Gerards. Oh, that's right. Went to Ireland with the Gerards yep. and those people, too. That was... Yep, we went on a big trip. Do you remember I, how old you guys were? Couldn't have been more than 14. I was going to say, yeah, I was like 10, 11, I think. So that's, what, 17, 18, 20 years 19 ago. years ago? 20 years ago. I remember as I was walk, walking through the streets because of the red hair once again. Oh, Katie, you've come back to us at last. You've come back to us. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. I was like, oh Where my god. Where did the red hair hilarious. come from? It was your mom, right? No. No, no Bohemians don't have red hair. Oh. No, German, German. German Germans. German. Germans have red hair. They do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, then Quite who would, few. Well, your dad's not Northern, a red Northern. Uh, he's got a red beard. Does he? Oh, like yeah, me, kind of. 
Yeah, and my I think Jeff. Well, I've never. Jeff is a redhead. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Well, no, he's, he's a red, red beard. beard. Or a red, yeah, red yeah. beard. He's, he like he's a red beard like me. Yeah. And then um, I believe it was my dad's dad, although I only saw him with white hair. Of course, yeah. and yeah, that's of the course, thing. black and white pictures. So I don't yeah. know what right. his actual what his hair color was when he was younger. But I I think somebody told me that he was a redhead too. So oh. yes, it's definitely from the German side. Interesting. Yes, and imagine my um, amazement when we had this wonderful guest talking all about St. Patrick, that it's a true human being because on Twitter it said it was a made up person. What? Of course they did. <laughs> I can't take Twitter anymore. Why does that even exist? It is poisoning everyone's mind. It really is. It really is. Disgusting. Just absolutely shocked that there's a real person. Get the hell off of Twitter and Facebook. Totally believe Twitter. It's a waste of time. Yeah, people believe. That's the other. Well, it's like believing Fox and CNN and everything they say. Both of them, one leans left and one leans right, and they both lie their ass off. Then you got, oh, there's no St. Patrick. You can't believe one thing you read on Twitter or Facebook or any of the rest of them. It's bullshit, all of it. I'm sure the idea of St. Patrick wearing a buckle on his hat and spilling Lucky Charms all over the place is fictional, but... (laughs) No, that's the good part. It's it's pretty much all historical figures have been made into mythological figures. Yeah, that's true. That's true, but they actually did exist. I don't know why the hell people just they, they we're going to destroy everything you like. You like St. Patrick's Day because you like to go out with your buddies? There's no St. Patrick. People go out of their way to try to harm other people emotionally now. Why is that? Now. Does anybody understand? You guys understand? Well, you think they always have? We're just talking about have, a yeah. guy who goes, went into the lair of the Druids and then was going to get murdered because he was Christian. <laughs> That's true. It's a good point. It's a very good point. Humans have always been awful. They really have. Why? Why are humans so terrible? I don't think humans are uniquely terrible. No, Any I feral animal not. is going to basically try to kill anything it sees because that's just sure. how it is. Sure. All right, we'll take a break. Come back with hour two in about five minutes with the family.